been 300 days since the Michigan State football team defeated Wake Forest in the 2019 Pinstripe Bowl. The new season of Spartan football is just a few days away. Mel Tucker will make his debut on Saturday when Michigan State hosts Rutgers at Spartan Stadium. We'll get into the matchup a little bit later on, but welcome in to Episode 7 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. I'm Brandon Champion, joined by Michigan State beat reporters Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. Matt, uh, it's been a long time coming. It's finally game week. Uh, I'm ready for some football. Are you ready for some football? Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, Twilight Zone year and uh, maybe a little bit of normalcy on Saturday, even though pretty much nothing about Saturday uh, is going to look normal. So, uh, but it'll be football and I'll take it. Yeah, emphasis on uh, it'll look a little like normal. There will be football being played. Uh, we'll get into that too. But Kyle, the Big Ten season is finally here. Uh, obviously, you'll be tuned into what the Spartans are doing as well. But are there uh, any other Big Ten matchups that have you excited for week one? You know, at the expense of, I know um, Michigan State fans might not be interested, but that Michigan-Minnesota game to me is going to be pretty fascinating, I think. Um, Because Minnesota, you know, if they perform like they did last year, they could knock them off. Uh, I I think those are the games that Jim Harbaugh needs to be winning at this point in his tenure to to avoid some really serious questions to start to come up. Um, And, uh, yeah, I was surprised to see Minnesota's getting the points there because I think they got a really good roster and they could make things very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota coming off a great season. They beat, uh, was it Auburn in the in the New Year's Day Bowl game? Mm-hmm. They, um, college game day, that game's getting the college game day treatment. So uh, it's the, the night game on ABC. So <laughs> big time spotlight for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines who are opening the season on the road, which is not something you see normally. I thought that was against Big Ten bylaws personally. Um, but uh, <laughs> it'll certainly be interesting to see these Big Ten teams finally get into action um so it'll be fun it'll be fun but but let's get into it uh michigan state and rutgers noon kick on saturday um we will have football there will be two teams on the field uh there'll be familiar color schemes um but it's not gonna really look like your typical game day experience in east lansing or at spartan stadium so uh, Matt, we, we got some news yesterday, I think, that uh, no cheerleaders, no band, no Sparty, no Zeke. Um, what's the atmosphere going to be like in there? Uh, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I think the closest that we've seen to what it'll be uh, was uh, the 17 season, the, the Penn State game, that huge uh, that three-hour delay for the weather and you come back and and I mean I don't know how many people actually came back for the second half of that game. I did. Um, I was there. <laughs> it, it was a sparse <laughs> crowd, but uh, this will be much smaller. Um, yeah, I mean it's going to be weird. And I, I mean the news from you know I got it confirmed yesterday about as far as cheerleaders band, Sparty, all that. But I, I mean to be honest, none of that was a surprise to me. I didn't expect any of that. Um, just because you know they they are going just bare bones number of people basically uh, that are going to be allowed to be there. Uh, you have the teams, you know, the players, the coaches, uh, their staffs, um, obviously a limited number of media and then uh, players and coaches will have uh, family members um, be able to attend. So there will be a small crowd, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to look, it's going to look completely different. Um, you know, either you're going to have the fake crowd noise being pumped in through the speakers and music and, and stuff, but it'll be, it'll be weird 
it'll be uh, it'll be one of a kind of experience for, uh, so far. Did Mel Tucker talk about how they're preparing for that at all? I mean, I know they've had a couple scrimmages in there um, where there yeah. obviously wasn't fans. Yeah, he I asked him about that on Tuesday, um, and he, and he said, yeah, we we went to the stadium for a couple scrimmages. We had a mock game there. We've used. We pumped in the crowd, the you know the fake crowd noise and music and things like that. And you know, I don't know really what else you can do. <laughs> you know, at this point, you know, he talked about you know needing to bring their own energy to the sidelines and you know doing that in practice, carry it over to the game, yada yada yada. So uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I, Antoine Simmons had a good answer about it, saying that basically, well, at least the uh, the new guys won't look like deer in headlights when they get out there with with without seventy thousand people there. So. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it'll, it'll probably be good for the young guys, but, uh, you know, just a strange situation all around. Obviously. Well, if it's anything like, you know, I, I know, I mean, athletes tend to be tuned into a certain way and I've heard NFL guys talk about it too, where once you're playing football, you're playing football, right? You're not really paying attention to anything else. And I, these guys are elite level athletes. Um, you know, I, I think once they get on the field, you know, all that stuff goes out the window. It's just lining up against the guy across from you and the execution has to remain the same. So I'm sure that's what Mel Tucker will be looking for is solid execute execution. He's talked time and time again about them not wanting to hurt themselves and be smart, but physical on both sides of the ball. Um, so It'll be interesting to watch for sure, but let's talk about expectations uh, in this season opening game outside of uh, the fact that we know they're going to be wearing their their classic green jerseys with white pants and the green stripe and a green helmet. Uh, we don't really know much of anything about what Michigan State is going to look like. Mel Tucker said that he does not plan on releasing a depth chart prior to the game, so uh, that's like a page out of Harbaugh's playbook, I feel like. But uh, what are you going to be looking for, Matt, early on in this game? Well, I mean, obviously, you can start at quarterback. Who is it going to be? You know, was it, it's going to be uh, Rocky Lombardi, Theo Day, Peyton Thorne. I mean, Mel keeps throwing on Noah Kim's name out there, the true freshman. I just, you know, I, I nothing against the kid, but I mean, he just got here this summer and, you know, 170 pounds, I think is what he's listed. At. It just seems like a bit of a leap for, to expect him to make that move so quickly. So, I mean, I think I think Rocky gets the start, but I think we're going to see at least one other quarterback play. I think they're going to want to, you know, if this competition really is as close as they're saying it is, um, I think you're going to want to see what one of the, at least one of the younger guys has uh, in the game setting. Um, but other than that, you know, you're looking to see, you know, what, what, what makes this team look different than last year's team. You're looking for just <laughs> to show some sort of life on the offensive side of the ball after back-to-back miserable seasons uh, there looking for, I'm really interested. You know, this isn't what, whole lot of people find exciting but the offensive line I want to see what the the makeup is there because you got I mean I could I probably put down a dozen starting combination possibilities to see based on what they've got returning um and some of the guys ability to play multiple spots so I'll be really curious to see that and then uh you know defensively there's just a number of spots you know those three D line starters two linebackers two guys from the secondary there's a lot of holes to fill and some guys that you can think you pencil in and whose names have been mentioned, but you, we really haven't seen them play uh extended uh, amount of time. And, and that's going to change on Saturday. Yeah. I, I'm with you on the offensive line, Matt, because it, to me, if Michigan state is going to exceed expectations um, and he's going to maybe do better than 500, get to that fifth win, sixth win, even uh, to me, it's going to be because their offensive line is good. And, and I think the potential is there. We've talked a lot about how they had all the injuries last year. So a lot of guys got to play and a lot of, 
individuals were promising, but they never had the group out there. Well, if, if the group can be out there and if they've got the cohesion, which I think is a big question given how little time they've had on the field together, but if they can play together and if they can stay healthy, I mean, I, I think the, I think maybe one of the best case scenarios you have for this team is you've got an offensive line that can at least hold its own and you've got a pretty good running back with experience. And maybe you can get the ground game going and, and stay in some of these games at least. You know, I'm not saying you win. I'm not saying you pull a bunch of upsets. But if that offensive line is decent and they can open some holes for Elijah Collins, um, that to me is kind of their path to being competitive against against these better teams in the Big Ten. Absolutely. Yeah, if that offensive line doesn't improve, I don't see – I don't see more than three wins and, you know, even if it does improve, even if it does improve, I think that's still three wins is a possibility, but that I believe that's the, that's the group that has the most potential for significant improvement this season on the team. Well, it's been arguably the biggest weakness over the course of the last two years. And and some of that is shuffling in and out, but you know, Michigan state, whenever they've been good, they've had a solid running game that kind of, you know, they, that was under D'Antonio, but you know, Michigan State runs the pass. I think that's kind of been ingrained into the program for a while. Uh, sans the John L. Smith years, I guess. But uh, uh, I was actually looking at the the media guide. You guys talk about the offensive line, and they have several top returnees listed. Did you guys see this? But they have A.J. Arcuri in there. They have Matt Allen. They have Luke Campbell. They have J.D. Duplain, and they have Kevin Jarvis. So I don't know how they all work, work together because um, some of them are just listed at O-line, but I just thought it was interesting that they had five offensive linemen listed in the top returners, Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, you, they have, even with Jordan Reed opting out, you still bring back nine guys who started at least one game last season. And, and you know, our Curry's a natural tackle, um, but Kevin Jarvis was a two-year starter at right guard. He moved out to left tackle to start last season before the season-ending injury. So you have that guard tackle option with him. Luke Campbell, his play has started at all four spots or both guard, both tackle spots. Um, so you got that option with him. Um, and you got other guys that you, you don't know. I mean, they're, I think they're, they're, they're more, there's more depth at the interior without a doubt. You know, they have a lot of guys that could a number more guys that can play guard or center and fewer guys that can play tackle. And with Jordan Reed out, I think that really, that, that creates a, an interesting dynamic for, for who's going to play right tackle. I think our Curry's your left tackle. At least that's my, my guess, but you know, is Jarvis going to go inside where he's probably better? Is he going to boot out to right tackle? Um, is a guy like Spencer Brown who didn't play last season, is he ready to make a jump? Is, is Luke Campbell who's coming off a knee injury last season they played through, is he going to move back to right tackle? I, I, I think they, you know, you're going to have to build from the outside in and, and once you get those tackle spots set, set then you get more options in the interior. And that's what I'm really interested to see up front. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch. I mean, lots to keep an eye on, on who's out there on these positions. I think I'm going to be, because I'm doing this podcast, I'm going to be watching uh, a lot more intently as to what's going on and who's out there and, and what's going on with position depth and the two deep. Cause we're not, there's a lot of unknown heading into the season. Uh, that's for sure. But Let's uh, zero in on the game. Uh, this is our, our game preview section. Michigan State and Rutgers both come in, obviously, at zero and zero. Uh, Michigan State is between a, a 13 point and a 13 and a half point favorite, depending on where you look. The over under is pretty low at 44 and a half. Uh, Michigan State leads the all time series eight to three. They've won six straight games in the series, including 27 to nothing last year in New Jersey. Um, I d- actually, I don't think Rutgers has beaten Michigan State since they've joined the Big Ten. Um, and uh, Rutgers finished last year with a record of 2-10 and 10 
which remarkably was an improvement on the previous season when they won one game. Uh, Greg Schiano returns to coach the Scarlet Knights, uh, his second tour of duty in Piscataway. Um, he led Rutgers to some, I guess you could call it sustained success from 2001 to 2011. That was before they joined the Big Ten. Um, so Rutgers, again, I believe they did le- release a, a depth chart, Matt. But um, what are what are sort of, uh, you know, your takeaways when you're sort of looking at Rutgers? They're, they're a little bit unsettled at the quarterback position, too, right? Yeah, I mean, this was just, I mean, it was just a bad football team last year. There's no other way around it. You look at their stats and they were awful on offense and they weren't good on defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, they do have some guys that are coming back. Um, They return their leading rusher, Isaiah Pacheco. I'm going to probably butcher some pronunciations here. Uh, Bo Melton, their top receivers back, but uh, quarterback is is a, is a Archer Sikowski or Noah Vidral. That's their or situation on the depth chart. So one of those two will start. Sikowski was, he started 11 games as a true freshman in 18. And uh, I mean, he, he took his lumps. He's got five career touchdown passes and 20 interceptions. So that's tough. Bedrill, uh, he's a guy who started at UCF, uh, followed Scott Frost in Nebraska. And now he's there as a grad transfer, played, a, I think he had two starts last year when uh, Martinez was hurt. So I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about either of those more about those guys than what we've seen, um, which is I don't think anything that that scares Michigan State. Um, but we'll see if they've made any progress. And then they they had some transfers that I thought were interesting. Um, they got safety from Ohio State, Brendan White, and they picked up a wide receiver from Wisconsin and Aaron Krushank. Um, so there are some pieces, but I, I think Michigan, Michigan state has the edge and talent. Uh, and again, it's is a similar situation for Rutgers with the new staff and no spring practice They're They're still putting things together just like Michigan state is. Now with the quarterbacks, is this a situation and, and you don't have to answer if you're not, if you don't know, cause I know there's limited information out there, but with the two quarterbacks, is this a situation where they have similar playing styles or is it where one is more of the runner and one is more of the passer. Like, is Michigan State having to prepare for two different styles here? Or yeah, I think I think Sikowski's more a pro style guy. He's a bigger guy. Um, he's not a runner, but uh, Vedral is. I think he had a uh, like 130 yards and three touchdowns last season for Nebraska. So he's capable of picking up yards on, on the ground. But uh, Sikowski's uh, more your pro style guy. So there is a difference for them to prepare for. And uh, Antoine Simmons mentioned that the other day. Okay. I was reading that, uh, you know, Sean Gleason was hired to, uh, I believe he's the offensive coordinator this year for Rutgers. Um, I I think he came from Oklahoma State, which is obviously known for having a high flying offense, uh, what, 400 and almost 455 yards per game last year. And I might have this wrong, but I was reading a a story on Rutgers and he is their 11th offensive coordinator in 11 seasons. Like, (laughs) how do you run a consistent it's no surprise that Rutgers has struggled with with this lack of continuity. I mean, do you see any reason to think that Rutgers could be improved this year, or are they just going to kind of keep being the doormat of the Big Ten? Because it, I think everyone's assuming that this is a game Michigan State has to win. Yeah, I mean, this is they couldn't have asked for a better season opening opponent. I think that's pretty pretty obvious, and it's a fitting matchup for both programs. Um, as far as, as Rutgers, I mean, I. I if anybody can win there, it's going to be Greg Schiano. And if he can't win there, I, I don't know who can. You know, he's a Jersey guy. You know, he has all the connections there. He should be able to recruit that state better than anybody. Uh, but asking him to to turn it around, <laughs> season one, 
no spring practice during a pandemic with all these complications. I think that's asking for a lot. Um, I think, I mean, I, I would assume they'll be a little bit better than last year just because, you know, I think he's, you know, more established coach and you don't have that uncertainty or last year you're going in already knowing that Chris Ash is on the hot seat and could get fired and he doesn't even make it out of September. And then you're, you're in a free for all from there. So I think they'll be a little bit better, uh, but yeah, this is a game Michigan state should win. And if Rutgers is going to not be the the doormat in the big 10 anymore, it's going to take them a little time to, to move out of that spot. Uh, does anybody know off the top of your head, how many points, or would you like to guess how many points per game Rutgers scored in the big 10 season last year? Anyone take a guess? 13. Uh, I would say I'm going to guess 12. I know they were 20, 129th in the nation out of 130 teams in, in, in scoring. Sure, so, so. And so that's actually skewed from some of their non-conference. Um, in Big Ten play, they scored 5.6 points per game, <laughs> which is just just remarkable. I mean, shut up by Iowa, shut up by Michigan, shut up by Indiana, shut up by Michigan State. And actually, if anything, that's even skewed big because they got 21 against Ohio State. And I did not watch that game, but I have to think that that was not – a lot of that was not against the uh, Buckeyes. Ones. So um, – <laughs> Point point being, um, this is a team that is coming from like the bottom of the basement. Um, and I agree with Matt. I think Greg Shiano will get it going, but they just have so far to go to even get uh, competitive in the Big Ten. So um, maybe they're a little bit more disciplined. Maybe they got one or two guys in there, but um, this is a rebuild or rebuild. So I, I don't. Um, I don't see it happening in the very first game of the Greg Schiano um, tenure. Maybe two, three years, he'll be able to be competitive in games like this. But um, yeah, this is certainly a game they should win. I am curious to see if uh, Rutgers tries to, you know, go with maybe some tempo uh, in this game because I, I was reading about this Sean Gleason guy. I mean, we obviously know Oklahoma State has been a high-flying, quick offense uh, the last few years, you know, with, with the likes of Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard. Um, and, and just traditionally, they're an offense that likes to go quick. We saw teams like Utah State with, uh, I believe they have Jordan Love, who plays for the Packers now a couple of years ago. They came out with that super fast offense, and it seemed to give Michigan State a little bit of trouble. Um, have you heard anything, Matt, or do you, do you think tempo could be a thing that the Spartans are going to have to prep for against the Scarlet Knights? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, We haven't obviously seen, seen Rutgers, what they're going to look like. I, I don't know that tempo is as much of a concern as it used to be. Obviously, if you go fast and, and, and you're effective at picking up yards, yeah, you know, it's going to, you know, you have to be in, in, you know, defense obviously has to be in shape. And, you, you know, as far as, you know, substitutions and stuff, that's tricky. But, you know, I was reading, uh, geez, I can't remember when this was, sometime this summer, I think, but it was, you know, a, you know, veteran defensive coaches talking about the the novelty of going fast is, is wearing off. Um, and that basically, basically teams aren't as affected by it anymore. And I, and I think it depends on your situation. You brought up Utah state. I think that was a good team that came to East Lansing a couple of years ago, obviously well, they were ranked by the end of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the, they had, I think top five scoring offense, but you, we've also seen other teams come in and play Michigan state and go fast. And all it means is your, your, pose- your offensive possession last 14, 40 seconds and, and you're punting the ball back after three downs, you know? So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm. I, I would. I would be. I would have a hard time thinking Rutgers has enough talent to come out there with and have that talent and tempo make that much of a difference against uh, Michigan State, even for a defense that lost seven starters. 
All right, yeah, well, that, so that's Rutgers, that's Michigan State. Uh, a lot of unknown for both teams as both uh, have new staffs, both uh, presumably have new offenses, new players on both sides. Uh, we'll find out with the rest of you at noon on Saturday. So let's move on to our next segment. Uh, we Matt put out a, a, a request for questions, and you can send us your questions uh, really whenever you want. If you want them answered on the podcast, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, or I think our emails are out there, or Matt has the – the text service uh, where you can get inside information uh, right from the source. So we had a few of these questions sent our way, so we'll just run through them real quick. Um, Matt, uh, we have uh, one reader or listener, I guess, wants to know uh, what's the percentage chance uh, for Lombardi versus Theo Day as starter? I'm going to go 66%. Yeah, I would say maybe even more. All right. I'm going to go 80% Rocky starts 20%. It's either Peyton Thorne or Theo Day. Probably getting a little. I'm probably getting a little too heavy on the on the odds here, but I, I do. I just think that, that Rocky will get the start, and I think one of those other guys will play, and that's basically it. It's a toss up between uh, Day and Thorne, I think, as far as odds. What yeah, would I you mean, put that, Kyle? You, you literally took a number. I was going to say eighty, uh, but I wouldn't even go higher. Like I would go ninety. Um, but I would also put it at higher than fifty percent that we see two going. Because I think the fact that they left the door open for that, you know, when you ask them about two guys playing, um, I'd be shocked if we're pretty surprised, I would say, if we don't see two quarterbacks. Um, any significant injuries so far in practice? Um, well, C.J. Hayes, um, he's a uh, redshirt junior, uh, I believe, wide receiver. Uh, he uh, he tweeted, uh, I think it was last week, um, of, well, it was his dad that actually tweeted that his son was having surgery. Um, and, and CJ tweeted a photo that looked like a hospital bed. Um, and I think it was back, I'm going to say in March that, that Hayes had tweeted that he had, was coming off a of foot surgery. So I think it's second surgery for him in like eight months or whatever. Um, we, nobody asked uh, Mel Tucker about it on Tuesday, um, but I would imagine he's, uh, he's definitely out. Um, I can't, you know, I, the amount of time, I don't know if it's season ending or not. I'm sure we'll get a chance to ask Mel about that in the near future. Uh, I, I feel like I'm an expert on this from covering the Michigan state basketball program. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, we don't know the specifics of it, but if you have surgery on a foot, I would guess you're out for the year, especially a little shortened season like this. Yeah. And CJ Hayes was, I mean, I guess you could, uh, we don't have a depth chart, but I, I would put him at like number four receiver yeah. coming into the year somewhere around there yeah so, I I mean, fair yeah not something that you want to see of course i mean you lose michigan state dealt with tons of injuries to the skill position players and on the offensive line last year um so you know it's not something you like to see popping up this early in the season but uh injuries are are going to be part of the game for sure this year we're seeing in the nfl a lot of injuries so hopefully the spartans can avoid that for the most part um so uh, here's another question. Um, the reader writes, uh, I'm assuming due to the potential COVID exposure and the new NCAA rule on eligibility, we will see many more true freshmen playing this year. Well, we saw some last year, but uh, Matt, do you have any uh, true freshmen or young players that uh, you think could make an early impact or that you're interested in seeing on the field? Yeah. Yeah. The first guy that I've, you know, I've said his name since this question in one form or another has been popping up for, a long time uh, since before probably even signing day, but uh, Angelo gross, he's a uh, three-star cornerback from Ohio. Uh, I think he has definitely has the potential to get on the field very early and make a contribution. I think he's, 
I really liked his film in high school. He's not a big guy. I think he's maybe 5'10 or something like that. Uh, but he he was like a, he was a, an impact player in, on offense, defense, and special teams for a good program. And I think he was the runner-up for Mr. Ohio or Mr. Football in Ohio. Uh, but he's a guy with when you look at Michigan State at cornerback, you know, Shakur Brown's your guy. He's probably going to be your top corner. After that, you you don't know. I mean, you get Galen Girving, you get Julian Barnett making the switch over there. Chris Jackson, Dominique Long. Um, I'm forgetting somebody else. Uh, it'll come to my mind later. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, Davion Williams. But, you know, after after Shakur Brown, you don't really have that clear-cut guy. And I think I'd like to see what Angelo Gross can do. You know, he was a guy – we were talking to Harlan Barnett a couple weeks ago or a week or whatever it was ago. He ran down all the cornerbacks. Then I asked about Angelo Gross, and he's like, oh, I was going to tr- – I was trying to keep him a secret. So whether that's just <laughs> talking up a young guy or not, I don't know. But uh, he's a guy. pretty sincere to me when I was yeah. I'll tell you that. He's he's a guy, and then after that, uh, Darius Snow. He was, uh, you know, everybody knows that last name, the pedigree. He's a safety. I think he's he's a guy that could either crack the field because they're not really set there as well. And then uh, then after that, it's wide receiver because you you got four true freshmen uh, wide receivers that came in that class. Some of them are pretty you you know interesting guys to to look at. You know, multi sport guys, a couple of them, and uh, with Michigan State kind of being set at really about the top. Th- three to really now four with, with CJ Hayes out, uh, you got really only four guys and, and it's questionable after that. I think one of those uh, wide receivers, Ricky white or somebody could, could make an impact this season. Interesting. Something to watch for sure. So uh, let's transition into the last uh, segment here today. We're going to do some predictions uh, guys. This is going to be a, a season long uh, competition fiercer than the one going on in the Michigan state quarterback room uh, right now. So uh, I'm going to keep track of this. So uh, make sure you don't mess this up because uh, you know, lots at stake here, lots at stake. So I'm just going to, you guys don't know a few of these. I'm just going to throw them at you rapid fire. Um, and then we will wrap up here. So, uh, the first one's kind of stupid, but I think it's funny. So, uh, who will win the coin toss? <laughs> uh, I'll go with, uh, Michigan state. <laughs> I, I actually think Michigan state has had a better than 50% record at the coin toss since I've been doing this. So I will say Michigan state. I'm going to say Michigan state as well. Uh, will we see multiple quarterbacks for Michigan state in the game? Kyle, you go first. Yeah, I think I, I think we I mentioned earlier. I I definitely think so. Um, I, I I think it'll be in the first half. I think they'll have something scripted um, for somebody else uh, besides Hawaii. So I will say yes. Uh, yep, I will echo that absolutely. We will see multiple quarterbacks, and I also agree that you'll see a dedicated series, at least one, um, probably more to to either to one of the other guys. I think we'll see multiple as well, because like you said, I think it's going to be scripted. I don't know. Um, we just haven't seen Peyton Thorne and Theo Day to know how they compare to Rocky. So I think the coaches want to see that as well, um, you know, with it being so unsettled. Uh, let's see, Matt, you're first this time. Who will score the first touchdown of the season for Michigan State? Uh, Elijah Cowan, safe bet. <laughs> Kyle? I, I feel like we're agreeing on everything. Um, I don't want to agree on everything, so I'll say Jalen Naylor. Okay. Yeah. I had Elijah Collins written down too, but I want to be different too. So I'm going to say Jalen Reed. I feel like I'm going to take a little bit of a, a dark horse shot there. Um, you know, cause we don't really know how he's, we expect him to be involved in the offense, but 
uh, you know, we don't exactly know what's going to happen. So I'll take the, I'll take the long shot there. Uh, my, um, my mind will be on a jet sweep to the short side, by the way, just to rank all Michigan State fans. Yes, bonus, bonus points if he scores <laughs> on a jet sweep to the short side. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kyle, over or under 75 yards for Elijah Collins? Uh, I'll say over. Um, I, I what I said about the offensive line, I think they got potential to be improved um, with a good back behind them and and Rutgers on the other side of the ball. So I think that all could add up to certainly more than seventy five yards. Well, you know, I, I I know what Kyle's saying about not wanting to agree on everything, but I one of the I did a post this week on ten predictions for Michigan State football, and one of them was that uh, Elijah would average more than ninety yards a game rushing. Uh, so if I predict him to fall below your 75 uh, against uh, Rutgers, then I would <laughs> probably be, uh, I, that would be a questionable choice on my part. So I'm going to definitely take the over um, and, and say yes. I'm going to take the over just based on the matchup. And and he should have good volume. Too. I mean, last year against Rutgers, 31 carries for 109 yards. I mean, 31 carries for a college running back. I mean, that's like, that's like Najee Harris level volume right there. You don't see that too much these days. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on sheer volume, the opponent, I think I probably should have put that at a hundred, but I'm going to say over as well. Um, and then the score prediction. So, uh, let's see who, who went, Kyle, are you first on this one? What, what are you predicting for a score here? Like I said, the spread is around 13 or 13 and a half, depending on where you look. Is it 13? Okay. Then I have a, I have a Michigan state cover them. I had them at 27, 14. That was on M live earlier this week. And that was before I, I really realized how bad Rutgers was offensively. So if, if I could, I might, might've revised that down if I could, but I'll stick with what I wrote earlier, 27, 14. I mean, that seems to mean I, I got them. Um, uh, oh no, wait, wait, if it's, what, what did you say the line was? It's 13 or 13 and a half. 13. Depending okay. On where you look. So then I've got, that is exactly 13. I mean, I've, I've got like a push. I got like a push then, but anyway, I got Michigan state by about 13 then, um, 27, 14. I, I just, I had to look it up to be honest. Cause whenever I make score predictions, I immediately forget what they are, but, uh, it looks like I picked 24 to 17 Michigan state wins. So that is not a cover. Um, the more we now talk about Rutgers offense, the more I'm wondering how I exactly, I came to the conclusion <laughs> they would score 17 points. Um, Maybe just out of uh, the sheer oddity that this season will be. You know, we've seen a lot of sloppy plays, so maybe a blown assignment here or there, uh, something like that. I don't know. But uh, that was what I predicted, uh, and I guess I have to stick with that, uh, at least for now. I'm with Kyle along the same lines. I think Michigan State's going to win 30 to 14. Uh, I'm not sure where those 14 points are going to come from from Rutgers, but Michigan State should be able to move the ball um, fairly well against this Rutgers defense. Um, Defensively, they'll have to settle into the game. You won't have the fans on your side, but Michigan State should be able to win this game pretty comfortably. So I'm excited for it. I know you guys are excited to be there. Uh, We finally have Big Ten football back in our lives. Fall Saturdays can finally feel like normal again. Uh, Anything else you guys want to add about this game? Uh, Yeah, I'm just really interested to see what this team looks like. You know, I think this has been eight months plus in the making, um, which trying to look look back at that day where where Mel was hired at Breslin, and it feels like 10 years ago. I I mean, it's... (laughs) been a long time coming and it feels like we've been writing the same kind of stuff for for a long time and, and Saturday will give us a chance to kind of reset everything once you finally get a look at what this team looks like with the new head coach new coordinators in all three phases and, and some different personnel a new quarterback and uh, yeah it'll be a, it'll be a chance to to move forward for the first time in quite a while. 
Yeah, I, I know we just spent, you know, 30 minutes previewing it, but I, I can't imagine a game that we know less about going into it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you talk about for an opener, two new head coaches, um, and nobody had any spring practice. Nobody had any availability, um, <laughs> you know, during fall camp. I mean, nobody has seen anything out of these two teams. And we certainly have an idea what they have on their rosters, um, which is, you know, a, a decent amount to go on. But um, th- there could certainly be some surprises as far as players, as far as schemes. Um, um, th- there could be a lot of things we don't expect on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to it. Either way, it's going to be fun. We have football back in our lives. Big Ten Saturdays are great again. Noon at Spartan Stadium. It's a beautiful day for football. We're looking forward to it. We'll talk to you next week to recap it all and prepare for the Michigan game. Um, But until next time, thanks for listening, and go Green!